Welcome to iFollow. Welcome back, everybody, to the post-Thanksgiving, Black Friday, and Cyber Monday iFollow special. This is episode 76, coming at you hot with the whole squad, Sans the man that we all love dearly but that being said i am joined today by none other than Irvin and jeff from random hotels across the country and <laughs> kyle what's going on guys <laughs> hey and kyle <laughs> <laughs> kyle coming from where kyle normally has his abode Last oh time yeah I checked he hasn't moved to a new abode yet it's true no i have not yes. we're getting there though we're getting there that's it, I'm gonna man. I'm gonna start calling this my abode pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, you travel for a while. Also, let's note that they are both in random hotels. They're not. They didn't tell us where they are. They're not there for work specifically. They just decided it would <laughs> yeah. be a better episode if they yeah. left the the Philadelphia area. Yes, and my just life went is to alive. hotels across the country. But, uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody on this call has a more interesting setup than Urban currently. Um, it's because of the hardware that he's using to join this call. Uh, Irvin is joined. He's joining us in none other than he looks like he's frozen right now, but I can't tell if he's actually. <laughs> I think he is. Frozen. I think he is frozen. <laughs> oh, so, he's uh, very much hardware frozen. Hardware issues that Irvin is experiencing <laughs> are brought to you by none other than the iPad Pro and a pair of Pixel Buds. So. Let's see what he said. He said five stars on both of them, guys. Five got, stars on both. He said that he got kicked out. And oh, he said no, very loudly. But um, that's sad. I guess... I actually heard the no before he went. I think, or I just made it no, up in my head. No, I think you made it up in your head. Yeah, <laughs> but that's probably. okay. It's fine. But that's... I did, but I did hear it with his accent, so that's yeah. So that counts for something. We'll right? try to get him back in. Um, but I think... wait, Ir- Irvin has an accent. He what? has an accent. Are you implying what? he's not from this country? Kyle said what? he has an accent. I didn't say anything. What are you talking about? <laughs> Maybe I heard it like you heard now. Anyway. What's an, what's an accent? <laughs> what's a computer? It's a little squiggly over the end. What are podcasts? What is this? <laughs> but um, yeah, so while we try to get him, there he is. Hey. hey! Calling live oh. from a random hotel. It's urban. <laughs> He can't. Don't don't you just love hotel Wi-Fi? That's I the do. power of an iPad for you. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just saying that Irvin is the has the most interesting of all the setups with none other than a pair of Pixel Buds and an iPad to keep him going for this episode. Um, or maybe not. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll but more importantly. We'll thanksgiving and all of the tech deals that have passed from this weekend including some very interesting ones which we'll save for the end of the episode have passed and the boys are back in town for another episode of i for l not literally yeah Irvin will probably be intermittent throughout this episode so, <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado i think we may not have Irvin's face for very long that's fine. So. As long as we get, <laughs> as long as we have him in spirit, I feel like he's here. here. He's yeah. doing his best. There he's he is. I'm listening. I'm here. He's there. Okay, <laughs> but I think we should take this opportunity to roll into the first topic, just because I think Irvin may have some more information on this than I do. Uh, but 
So there's some updates coming to Project Fi. So Google is going to reportedly be opening Project Fi to iPhone, Samsung, and OnePlus this week. Um, it's there was a question mark in the show notes, Urban. So I, I want to leave that to you to elaborate on that. Well, um, just to catch us up to it. Yeah, yeah. So I saw this uh, crazy day today, but I, I saw this passing through, and I was like, I got really excited. Hey, Project Fi is coming to. Um, uh, to uh, iPhone, other phones other than Pixel and Nexus devices, right? So and that um, random what uh, Motorola phone, but yeah, yeah, random Mo- Motorola phone. So um, I got excited that uh, potentially could could be coming to other phones. So court, apparently, uh, Boy Genius Report of BGR.com published an article this morning, 10 a.m., uh, making this announcement. And apparently, there was. And, and now it's removed. And apparently there was this embargo that was supposed to be lifted at 10 a.m., but Google never published their article, and they still haven't on their blog about this announcement. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of official, but not really. Google hasn't confirmed, but other sources are kind of confirming that they also have this embargo, and they – yeah, so something something's fishy is going on. So they might it might be coming. Maybe. Yeah, uh, it could to... just be, like you said, an embargo. Yeah, yeah, but it was supposed to lift at 10 a.m. today at Easter time, but it, it Google never published their own article about it. Interesting. So, so yeah, but this could mean that yeah, it could it could be brought to other phones. It won't necessarily have uh, the switching capabilities between Sprint and Verizon or T-Mobile. Right. Uh, that that Fi is known for. It'll be to probably just locked down uh, to T-Mobile, which it actually does work currently. You don't need to. Uh, have a Pixel phone or a Nexus phone to use Google Fi. If you get a SIM card, somehow you acquire it. You need to activate um, it with one of those phones. Yes. That's the you important need, you, thing. Yeah, that's the important one, right? You need to have access to a Pixel device to activate it. And, but once you do, you can stick that uh, SIM card into pretty much any phone that's unlocked. Weren't people taking their it. phones into like Best Buy and activating the SIMs <laughs> on like, the display I, Pixels? I remember, yeah. I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, using that because it's, it's a really good deal uh, wow for, for, yeah this is really uh, compelling for anybody who's actually looking for like who doesn't use all that much data who stays right. mostly on wi-fi because it's unlimited call and text at 20 a month and yeah. it is ten dollars per gigabyte until you reach six gigs and after that it's free like it's it, also... they don't charge you any more than just the the 10 plus or the 20 plus the six gigs it's also very compelling for anyone looking for a reason to still go to best buy Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, up until. That's my first thought was at least Best Buy is going to be able to hire more people to block people from their displays. <laughs> just a, a, a former high school linebacker just tackling people in front of Best Buy. Almost exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> but yeah, up, up until now, um, the lineup, like Irvin was saying, had only been just the Pixel devices, the, uh, the Moto G6, the Moto X4, which was that weird Motorola phone. And then also, I didn't know about this, but um, I, I feel like I probably should have. But I, it, it's understandable because it's LG. The LG G7 and the LG V35. Um, I probably don't know about that just because I hate LG, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and it's it, it'll be interesting to see when they do this. Um, and if they roll out any more of those extra perks that Project Fi users get to have, such as the ability to text through hangouts both on your computer and on your phone as well as um 
the public encrypted hotspots that Google has as yeah. well. That would be interesting oh, oh. to see if they get those. Yeah. One other benefit, if you do travel overseas a lot, uh, Google 5 does offer full uh, speed service all throughout the mall. Well, it's in a lot to of whatever countries. deal they have in that country. Yeah. So if they're yeah. partnered with a com- with a phone with a telecompany that has LTE, then you get full 4G in that com- in that country. Yeah. And you still price. get charged the same price as if you were in the U.S., which is awesome. Yeah. Um, Just don't go to the EU. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These phones are like this plan. A lot of people who travel internationally actually like it's a pretty compelling yeah. idea to like get a Moto X four or something, just so you have like a cheap international phone where you can get full speeds, and still be able to communicate with people back home. So it's it's a compelling option for people looking for um, some kind of device to keep them grounded when they're traveling internationally. So. Yeah, that part's definitely cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Project Fi is definitely a compelling thing. And if this does come to iPhones and this enables that same functionality, presumably to a host of incredibly popular Android and iOS devices, which is something I never thought I would ever hear. Um, but this, like Irvin said, is something that remains to be seen um, and something that I think we're just going to have to keep an ear out for. Um but yeah. I'm definitely interested in this for sure. Um, and I, because I, I was on Project Fi and I never had any problems with it. And actually, I think I had better service on Project Fi in our particular office than I did on T Mobile. Um, just because it had that ability to switch to Sprint, which leveraged different bands and different cell towers and different networks. So it was a little more stable, in my opinion. Um, but. But yeah, so I I actually have two questions for you then, Matt. Um, <clears throat> the first one is the serious one and on topic. Um, <laughs> uh, why why did you why did you get Project Fi in the first place, and then why switch off? So I had a Pixel, and um, I was recently uh, within it was probably like November or so of last year. I was moving off of my family's plan because they were readjusting, and I was like, oh, I was like, I'll get off their plan, save them some money, and. I'll jump on and become an independent person and have Project Fi because I have uh, a Pixel. And it it worked perfectly fine, um, but I found myself becoming like a bit of a data maniac, like constantly keeping an eye on that data mm. to make sure that I wasn't like spending more money because it, it becomes – they break it all the way down to megabytes. So like a megabyte is oh, a wow. penny. So – um like you literally like they're you're literally nickel and diming your data usage and i felt like i was like getting a massive like ocd about it almost um and then i found out that my family was rolling onto t-mobile which had a similar plan with 50 gigs of data for a similar price uh when factored into the family aspect of it like when you add multiple lines it brings the cost of all of them down by a little bit um so I jump back on that and I just um, pay through that. So I just pay for my own line, essentially. Cool. On their plan. So that that's kind of like the the story of where my phone. Yeah. Went. If <laughs> yeah, if you use a lot of data, Fi isn't for you. Oh, mm-hmm. but uh, so when you were on Fi, I don't think they had this up to six gigabytes and after it's free. They did I not. think it just went on, mm-hmm. right? And they just recently introduced that. So that does help. Right. Yeah. Well, you're, you're oh, yeah, for max, sure. Yeah. You're, you're max out your bill at what, 80 bucks, and then that's it. And after it, it will never be higher than $80, no yeah. matter how much data you use, Some... which is great to know mentally to like whatever. Yeah. But 
but like T-Mobile does have a great offer where you could do up to 50 gigs for I think 45 per line. So, you know, if you have multiple users, you can all get them on the same plan. You know, you have to weigh out your which one's your best option for you. Yeah, and it's important to note that apparently some users on Fi were being throttled after 15 gigabytes, which is still a lot of data. Like, I don't think, I think I've only ever crossed yeah, for that sure. a handful of times. So, and most people won't ever cross that. So, um, yeah, I was actually going to mention that. Like, you know, you you get the same price charge after six gigs, but to not have that throttling until all the way up to 15 is a uh you know there's a lot of leeway in there you have a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of time before you're going to see any any slowdowns yeah i'm actually no. um what i have right now uh for so i think the for the billing cycle that is on that ends on the 24th um i've only used like one gigabyte since then i don't know if i can go further back on ios or not um but i was trying well, to see how much data i used last month but i don't know um, I was gonna say if it's the if it's the cycle that ends on the twenty fourth, that means in three days you've already used a gig. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Ouch. So, either way. Hey, I do want to cycle back to Kyle's second question. Yes. <laughs> oh, I was getting there. Don't worry. Okay. Um. So, what's why do you hate LG? Oh, I um... think the public needs to know that because I'm not gonna lie. Before my smartphone because, life, you know what? I was at LG Chocolate Two Life all day, every day. Okay. Oh, you know so it's true. So I'm you gonna know tell you, I'm gonna true. I just wanted to mention right here that life is not good, and that's why Matt doesn't like LG. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, I think Irvin knows this better than anybody else. Why exactly I hate LG? Um, but I have a like I have a running. It's it's more of like an unbased conspiracy theory than it is anything else, but I'm convinced without a, without a, a, any fraction of doubt whatsoever that since LG transitioned from like the flip phone phase and the slide phone phase to the smartphone phase and started doing things with like just um, full metal unibody and like trying to get that whole experience down in the same way that most other Android phones have done very well. And LG has every single cycle since probably the g3 the way back to the lg g3 uh they're on the g7 now for anybody who's or maybe even more than that i don't know if they're abandoning the g line or not but every single one has been like plagued with some massive hardware problem there was some issues with the g3 which i experienced personally um where plugging in a set of headphones would trigger Google Now randomly if the headphones moved in any way within the headphone jack. So I'd be listening to music and it would trigger Google Now at the time, it wasn't the assistant. And um, and I found out that it was because LG never fully soldered it down to the motherboard. So it was making contact with a different circuit on the motherboard and triggering Perfect. the circuit to trigger whatever hardware thing triggered Google Now. and. Um, the G5 was considered one of the most like hated phones of the entire LG cycle. Like I, I just, they're, I'm convinced that they just don't know how to do cell phones and every year they just seem more and more misguided. And then they come out with the latest phone, the V35 board and they're like five cameras. It's got three on the back and two in the front and like their camera still is mediocre. It's nowhere close to the iPhone or the pixel, but they're selling. But there's it. five. There's so that makes up for it. You can't count more cameras on one hand. 
<laughs> we maxed out on cameras, son. We oh, got man. this. Life we got the market on cameras. Life yeah. is so not good. So now we know why uh, Matt hates LG phones. It's their hmm. so, good. Yeah. Also, their no, UI. I want to make sure that their, their UI is ugly. Also. Just yeah, it is true. Yeah. They have so the speak... ugliest Android skin. Yeah, but on the chocolate too. When you press buttons, they vibrated. I'm not no hate against. <laughs> uh, it was a tap. It was a touch. Come on, that was like fantastic. I said. It was post transition. My little wheel. Buttons. Like it yeah. matched my iPod, but like it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. It's a perfect it, combination. You're right. It wasn't a button. It's it's a touch. Yes. Oh yeah. So anyway, speaking of nice. so speaking of Google Fi potentially landing on iPhones, here's uh, Insight Mars lo- rover lands on Mars. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> well, we had to fit that in somehow. No, it's it's perfect. Yeah. No. I almost a thought of it. Great transition. I did. I did. Nothing so quite says <laughs> solid transitions like having the gang all together on this podcast. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> really just uh, honed in on your inner mat there. I appreciate it. Conversations <laughs> from a different planet. Um, yeah. So NASA, NASA continues to be the only entity who has ever landed a foreign object on Mars, and they have done it again with their InSight lander a um, couple days ago. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, yeah, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, yesterday they have successfully touched down on Mars um it is very exciting um first pictures were shown um one was covered in dust uh, right after the initial landing and today uh, on tuesday we got a clearer picture uh the first selfie uh from mars from the lander (laughs) um it looks awesome um and this uh lander is supposed to um so previous landers that were on mars were pretty much just studying the surface um, but this is solely designed to study the interior of the planet. Uh, so it has a, a mini drill on there that's supposed to dig down, I think, um, uh, 30 meters. Uh, I'll, I'll check. Up. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm correct on that. Uh, to look at seismic waves to, to sort of study the inner core because they will learn more about what's what, what's in the inside of the planet. And can, they can do a lot of that just by studying the vibrations and how those reflect based on uh, what's inside the planet. So um, this is exciting stuff for future uh, yeah. learning about the history of Mars. Now, the the more we can like send these probes to other planets, the the more I think that it will benefit us as a whole, just learning more about like the makeup of these types of planets. And, um, and just like the whole science behind it is just so mind blowing. How cool. Cause they're saying like this, um, it wasn't the only component, taking photos of Mars, but they're saying that uh, the Marco B was a satellite that imaged Mars during its flyby at about um, 3,700 miles. And like the, the, the speeds and like the distances that these things travel just blows my mind all the time. So I was just going to ask that question. Are there active satellites orbiting Mars right now? I think we have a few, just mostly yeah. just research satellites that pass by on a wide, or- on a wide orbit. I think that's really cool. Um, I, I, it's awesome to get into the interior, like you're talking about mm-hmm. with uh, the article, Urban. I I know there's been a lot of discussion over like water on Mars, and you know, like pretty much like the history of the planet and what it was before we started getting a closer look at it. I think getting under its surface is definitely a way to do that. Um, you know, geological studies and archaeological studies on Earth tell us a lot about what used to be and it'll definitely be cool to see what a uh, remote device on another planet can pick up from inside of its surface yeah and like the, the the thing that like 
I think is the most impressive. And, and Irvin, I think, I don't know if you know the details down to this or not, but um, I thought I read somewhere that when they launched this, uh, it landed like within like a dime's width of where they had mathematically placed it. NASA is so good at math when it comes to landing stuff really <laughs> yeah, far it's away. Insane, dude. Yeah. yeah. Like, like those 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 women who like calculated the like moon landings mm-hmm. without calculators. I know. And like I think it's I saw this meme and to avoid I'm not going to go deep into the meme just to avoid not getting that that political. But I think it's hilarious how they're like, yeah, um, to all the people who are here on Earth who are climate deniers, it's like I'm going to trust the guys that like sent a satellite off of Earth and hit a moving object within like a dime's width of their projected mark. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and take their advice. <laughs> you know what they should do? They should make an app that does your taxes because I would trust those people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but my real question is, Irvin, you're saying you know it's it's another device and NASA's only one who lands them on Mars. So my question is, are they sending Elon? Because I hear there's a 70% chance he's gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> Elon's gonna take himself. He's, uh, not, okay. he's not gonna rely on NASA. Will he be the first or second object to land? Mm, I don't know. Is he gonna know. eject from the space shuttle? It depends on if his roadster hits the surface first. <laughs> I I think he's gonna be standing like this with his arms in the air. Standing on a giant actual dime that he created with jets, and he's gonna land and be like, "Now who landed on a dime?" He's gonna send the first tweet from Mars. Wow, that, we're gonna get it the... instantly somehow. Somehow it's gonna instantly go to everyone's phone, like that album from U2 that still is on my iPhone to this day. I don't know how to get rid of it. And then he'll troll like the Google Maps of Mars, like people do here. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, enough. This isn't about Elon and Tesla though. So let's yeah. continue. NASA with NASA if anything's left to be said. Yeah, no, I, sure. I always talk about how like how much it blows my mind that we are able to experience things that far away that we can see things and and get images and get like just the idea that someone thought you know what i'm putting something on that and then they did it like that that's still crazy like the moon landing to me is still insane let alone the fact that we're like the moon's old news that's stupid now and they just go to mars like that it's it's crazy to think that there's so many things that i personally obviously we've people have studied the the planet so much and there's so many things that i don't know about the planet that i live on let alone another planet the hundreds of thousands of miles away mm-hmm. that i don't know anything about and probably during my lifetime we will barely know anything mm-hmm. about it and none of us will ever go mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i'm and we're just we're like just getting to the point where like we can start to study it and Space travel's been around for how long? It's one of those things. Like it's just so crazy that we're we get to see the beginning of what like a thousand years from now is going to be old well, news. Think about it this way: you know, how long did it take after boats were invented for us to discover different continents and like yeah. become a global entity? I mean, our country was founded by accident. Yeah, and so, uh, like, found them. you think, anyway. We can get into that you, for another episode. Do you think that like boats were invented in the 13, 1400s though? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, boats have been around forever. And so, then this one day, some dude was like, "This is India, right?" And we're like, well, "Nope." They had big enough totally boats to place. go across the ocean. So now yeah. we're getting better and better at making things to go could, across could, space. Or if you wanted to kind of be upset about it, you could look at it in the converse. Whereas, like. In the 60s, they were like, by the end of the decade, we'll be have people on the moon. 
and well, within, within ten years they went from nothing to Man on the Moon, and you could say from the seventies onwards we've only just now made it to the next rock in space. Well, like, in the fifties they also said we'd have flying cars by now. Right, so that's true. it's a very true. cynical point of view. You, you also can't really put the blame on like the now. Yeah, it's it's marred by some accidents like the Challenger explosion and stuff like that um, that slowed things down for sure. Yeah. I, I've always it's, wondered this and haven't done the research to find out, so it's really on me. But uh, <laughs> why was it just? Why did we just go to the moon and then we we're like, all right, cool, we're done. I think That's it was it. just. I think it was just to like make the moon Russia spend itself into the ground. Well, there's well, yeah, that of, was part of it. But there's a lot of things we can get into here. I think the way a, a social studies teacher described it to me when I was like 13 or something was the only difference between a missile and a, a spaceship is like whether it carries people or a payload. Mm-hmm. So you can think about the motive behind that, but also the moon's a heck of a lot closer than anything else. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but that's what I mean. Like, why? What extensive? I'm sure that they've been done. That's why I said it's more on me. But like, what kind of extensive, in-depth information do we have on everything about the moon? Like, yeah. people still to this day are like, there might be a dude up there. We don't know. Yeah. Like, and and we're just like, nah, moon's stupid. Just go to Mars now. It's. I think it's just because that we've taken so many images of the surface of the moon. We've sent satellites around it numerous times and gotten a lot of high-resolution images of it. We've sent people for actual samples to the surface well, of the moon. What's like the multi- payoff on too? multiple occasions? And I think we've just kind of settled in the fact that there's just nothing there. It's just oh, yeah. a rock. Yeah. Like, yeah. The- and, and, and I'm not saying that there has to be. I, yeah. I've always just wondered, like, why was like they got there just to be like, yeah, what's up now, son? Yeah, we got there and Russia Pretty was much. like weird well, flex, but okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we weren't even doing that, but all right, fine, whatever you want. Um, bringing it back to modern times. But, uh, it's, it's, I mean, you could ask too, why do we go to Mars instead of Venus? There's potential on Mars. Before, Venus, yeah. like, it's just chaos and destruction. Yeah. So, yeah. just once the millennials get to Mars, there'll be vlogger bots and YouTuber bots and Twitch streamer bots all over the place. It'll be ruined. The culture will be gone. I can no, see uh, it now. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I'm just I'm just really really like I think the thing I'm most excited for about us landing on Mars is that image like that live stream image that gets leaked because it definitely isn't supposed to be out there but everything gets leaked nowadays of just a hand picking that thing up yeah. and we're just gonna be like oh my god just, and like it's just gonna be the craziest moment oh in the god. history of the world just Robin's pans like, over to the what right what the hell yeah. is happening yeah just yeah. pans over to the right it's just like route 66 right there it's actually in the desert you're just like oh well, well turn back turn back turn back <laughs> or it's that, like that would be even better like yeah. oh you faked this one too huh that's crazy where it like pans in the sasquatch and there's so many more questions to be asked yeah. <laughs> a conspiracy podcast is leaking oh man i could totally see that 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 it it, but all credit is to where it's due nasa has like for sure like this is an incredible feat and all jokes aside it's it's a good thing i think nasa doesn't get enough credit no at all especially for the budget that they have (laughs) they have like no budget it's just crazy what they do and did you see that touchdown hard... celebration they did when that thing landed too yeah give yeah. them credit for that but at least they were doing this was years of work 
Mm-hmm. Some in, decades. Okay. Yeah, decades. Oh, yeah. In preparation for one moment. Yeah. yeah. And like, granted, this thing is going to be on Mars for who knows how long. Irvin might know how long. I, I do, actually. Yeah. It it's supposed to have a lifespan of two years, but the other rovers, Curiosity and, and uh, what was the other one? Um, Opportunity, yeah. I think. Right. Yep. Uh, they were supposed have, supposed to have a short lifespan too, but they're still walking or walking around. Yeah. They're still rolling around Mars and still doing experiments. Let's, so let's just hopefully, hope. Yeah. Let's just hope they don't lose any gyroscopes, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And also, like this is like NASA's doing like all kinds of cool stuff too. Like this isn't like I, I like I, I this isn't even their coolest thing that they're doing. Like fairly soon, they're launching the successor to the Hubble telescope. Yeah, and little known fact, Tom Hanks was employed by NASA. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I watched Armageddon. That wasn't Tom Hanks, but still. No, I'm talking Apollo 13. <laughs> yeah, but, no, you know, no, yeah. Whatever works for you. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's going to be something to see like just how far NASA can go, what they discover from both this and all of their endeavors that they're currently working on, so... Um, yeah i'm definitely down for talking about more of this when we hear more so yeah we love sure. NASA. yeah mm-hmm. yeah way to go nasa good work maybe maybe we can try and work on you know pipe dream here but maybe we can get someone from nasa to come nerd out with us that'd be cool <laughs> that would be awesome Jeff, you got a working magic <laughs> email to asterisk at nasa.gov <laughs> <laughs> yes there's a script for that um <laughs> anyway yes just send a tweet to NASA. Be like, "Hey, hi." That's it. Someone get someone get on two wheels and segue here. Come on. All right. So speaking of uh, not that, um, to bring to bring, I got I got a better one to bring this conversation back to Earth. Yes. Um, we have some news from none other than Google. Um, it's less less of news and more of just like a, a product recap of something that we talked about from their latest um list of releases uh so the google pixel slate um it's a chrome tablet uh that runs kind of like a chrome chrome os Uh, it's the same software that chromebooks run um but it's on more of like an ipad-esque form factor and it's it looks like it's a really good piece of hardware and i was really impressed at like the build quality and like all the stuff they were talking about and like that the how powerful it was as a piece as for what it was just a chromebook um but it looks like it's getting kind of mixed reviews in being a chromebook (laughs) um i think urban might want to talk a little more about that but um yes so this this device was announced alongside the pixel 3s yeah uh when they were announced and, and a lot of people looked at it it was like it was great hardware um and the reviews officially launched they they're starting to ship uh, from uh, the Google store if you ordered it from there or Amazon. Um, so now, yeah, so the, uh, there's mixed bags of reviews. Some some people love it like it was the greatest, right? This is a true competitor to the new iPad. Uh, some say it's great hardware, but crappy software with a ton of little tiny software glitches that just ruined the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a mixed bag. Um, but I think, yeah, I agree with the hardware aspect. It has really nice high high, high resolution screen, uh, two two USB C ports, um, high speed 
processor if you pick that option you can option this out up to seventeen hundred dollars i think yeah um <laughs> if you wanted to it's a very expensive yeah. chromebook yeah um considering but... there were black friday deals for chromebooks for like two hundred dollars just so is this reference. is this an alternative to a Chromebook as an iPad is an alternative to a MacBook in the sense that you can attach an external keyboard, etc.? I'm actually going to take that a step forward and say that it's neither, but it's some weird limbo phase that we seem to be in between tablets and laptops um, where the hardware is 100% ready for the full full-time show. Like you get a super powerful tablet something that's going to breeze through literally anything a Chromebook is capable of with no problems whatsoever. But the fact that it is held back by weak software is indicative of a sign that tablets in almost every sense of the word aren't yet ready to take the mantle of replacing full laptop experiences. But that's not going to stop Google and even Apple, if you want to go on the iPad side, from saying that it will. Like, they're trying so, to right. force this on us, almost. Are, are these, like, glitches within the operating system itself? Or is it, like, compatibility with applications? Or, like, I guess that kind of is glitches in the operating system itself, if you think of it. Yeah. So, one one of the complaints that I saw is the, the Verge video review. Uh, he was showing the multitasking feature, so you can drag... Uh, two apps side by side if you're in right. tablet mode um when you do that it goes in like two frames per second the animation of you dragging a, an app next to one another is like two frames per second and this was i saw this uh when it was introduced and i thought i was hoping it would be fixed by the time the device actually launched but it hasn't but like those sort of like experience the overall experience isn't really um uh, there and also the, a lot of talk about uh, since you can now run Android apps on these Chromebooks, right? It's just an emulation layer on top of Chrome OS. It still feels, um, I think I quote, quote to quote the, the Verge article, alien. It seems out of place, right? It just seems like it's just patched on top. So like, oh yeah, now you can run Chrome, uh, Android apps, but it wasn't fully you know, thought out on how that process would be. It's just there. Yeah. So you can huh. use it. It's just like, um, it's weird. Is it like a like an emulator on a PC, for example? Of it, it, it is, but it's the, the the performance isn't really hindered because they've really done a, a good job in terms of getting those apps run smoothly. I've That's tested important I've, I've, on that. Yeah. Just not to like fully interrupt you, but just that it only really works well on these Chromebooks. Yeah. So no, I actually tested. So I got my mom a, the one of the Samsung one. Yeah. The Samsung the Samsung Chromebooks. And I actually tried Lightroom on there, mm -hmm. and it runs really, really well. Okay. I, I loaded up full raw images. I could go ahead and edit, and that's a full. It's the same Android app that you would get yeah. on a phone. Mileage um, may vary though on some yeah. of the lower end ones. Yeah, so Lauren, if you get below like the three hundred, two hundred fifty dollar Chromebooks, yeah, you're gonna have a bad experience. But this isn't a three or three to four hundred dollar Chromebook. Right. This is this starts at eight hundred dollars, so you'd experience, you know. But that's the uh, thing, like, expect... is something that runs Chrome OS truly worth spending $800 on? Like, does it, is it that compelling to the point where you can, you can justify saying, yes, this Chromebook is worth $800? Like, or is it literally like the, 
the hardware metaphor of putting lipstick on a pig. If that makes sense. Could you, couldn't you make that argument with the iPad Pros? You could. Saying yep. the fact, right, because I'm doing this podcast on an iPad Pro right now. So I I get I, I understand your point, yes. I say like, that because I say that is more of a thing when it comes to Chromebooks and Android in particular, just because I feel like the marketplace for applications is not as fleshed out or well optimized. Yeah. And I think hardware. that's yeah, because I think that's mainly because Chrome or, or Google overall just abandoned Android tablets a long time ago. Yep. They just sort of gave up, and now they're sort of trying to pivot Chrome OS to be that tablet platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, Android for tablets didn't really work out because everybody was just buying iPads. And don't get me so wrong, I don't like, think anybody does tablet software right. Well, yeah. that's kind of what I was going to say, too, is like, is Lightroom ever going to run as well on any tablet as it does on a desktop or a laptop? It does now, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I guess that... If you buy a newer tablet, I guess. If you're, so, yes. okay, so these are great devices for, for Chrome example. If you're looking for a Chromebook and you and your, your computing experience resides completely in the web, um, more specifically when you're either on the go or when you need a portable device. If your web browsing, if your if your consumption experience relies mostly on anything you can get out of a Google Chrome browser, then a Pixel Slate is perfect. It's gonna be a good tablet. You're gonna enjoy it. The hardware is gonna be fine. The software is gonna run for what the software is. It's gonna run really well on it. Um, if you're like a creative or someone who needs anything more, or even like a programmer or someone who needs. Um, more powerful software that you can't find in the Google Play Store or as a Chrome extension, then you're out of luck. So it's kind of like in this weird niche area where it's like, it's a great device for people who don't really need much out of a portable piece of hardware. Well, it, and it, it's funny because this goes back to things that we've talked about in the past where, <clears throat> I mean, we, we started talking about it, I think, last year when iPad did that or when Apple did those commercials for the iPad where... The neighbor asked the little girl, oh, what is on your computer? And she's like, what's a computer? What's like, a whatever, computer? that stupid commercial. Yeah. Um, but we've been, we, I, in all seriousness, we've been talking about it since then. And it's, when is that, and we've kind of started to see it, when is that evolution of the tablet uh, going to become, or when's that going to start to happen where the tablet is more than just a big phone? I think- and I think you've started to see it with things like the iPad. But this, to me, just based on a little bit that I've read, it, it kind of feels like, the big phone again and it's a way to get them yeah. into that market which is great um it's it does just enough like you said it's to me it kind of comes off as like the more casual it's the the casual device it's not for the professional on the go necessarily mm-hmm. um to, I mean, professional on the go to continue working um but the one thing that i as i was reading the article that i i seemed to like uh and it, it really piqued my interest because i've seen this at schools before mm-hmm. kids in a lot of grade schools especially if it's a private or or, or a or a religious school and the same thing with high schools are given chromebooks the day they walk right. in the door yeah. yeah they are used to that operating system so their target isn't us it's let's get our name on the market so that way when we come out with the bigger one next year the people who have grown up with our operating system now have something that they can go after mm-hmm. for like yeah. so basically this is step one to get their their themselves back in that market and then step two is really expanding on what they have but for now i think it's a very casual it's basically a giant right. phone yeah. Dude, what, that- would you I, 
Sorry, I, I really like the points you just made, and I want to kind of go off them too, based on what we were just talking about. Like we're we're saying, like, oh, it's you know nothing compared to what an iPad can do, and they're coming into this game late. They dropped out of Android devices, et cetera, et cetera. But they can't. If let's face it, they got to come back into it, right? And they're not going to sure. come back in and just be like, yeah, we're basically like a smartphone, but it's bigger, which is basically what an iPad was like five years ago. If you yeah, think about yeah, it. yeah, So like they can't come back in doing that. They have to try and get into the game that the iPads in, where it's it's a computer, but it's a tablet, but it's also mm-hmm. it's it's a smart device. If they're doing a bad job at it for now, like we can poo-poo on them in yeah. the meantime, but you have to jump back in somewhere. Exactly, yeah. and I think yeah. that we're in this weird limbo phase between perfecting this tablet software experience on both sides of the fence. So mm-hmm. like the iOS isn't quite there yet. There isn't big hitting applications on there like Xcode or any kind of major heavy-hitting Mac OS software, you have things like GarageBand and things for musicians and creatives, and that's all there for them, and that's fine. But um, I think we're still getting there with Chrome OS and iOS even. It's just that if you can replace, if you, when you're, when you're away from, say, a traditional desktop computer, if you have one, or if you don't need one, does, if this can fit your bill, and handle anything you can throw at it in a reasonable sense then this is a perfect device for you it's just that they're like what we're saying like it's not quite there yet for the entire scope of the market because if you're talking to us like we all um, or most of us have like desktop computers or like harder hitting work computers or things that need more power and things that we can't fully do our job with without a full OS. Yeah. So going back to what Kyle was saying um, about getting kids right in schools with these Chromebooks and mm-hmm. potentially, you know, once they get, um, let's say a high schooler is going off to college, would do you think they would consider this instead of regular Windows or Mac laptop? If you're, if they're already used to using it throughout their school life in high school, using chrome os they probably need to do a better job of promoting and maybe expand a little bit on what they currently put out again i think this is their step to get back in and then whatever the next generation is is when we're going to be like oh look they're really serious about this i think it also depends on things like like how word processors perform um if if you can do that in a web environment then i think yes Uh, i also i do think parental influence is going to be a thing too yeah. yeah. If you're just typing I, essays and like making some simple mm-hmm. spreadsheets yeah. and like anything yeah. you can handle in the the G Suite environment of like just mm-hmm. word processing, yeah. I think that a Google mm-hmm. Chromebook is perfect. Yeah. yeah. So. And and a lot of schools are already using um, uh, a G Suite account in the background. So yeah. I know yep. uh, my my sister right now is in college and they have the full access to a G Suite account. Right. Their their school email address is a, technically a Gmail account. Um, and they have full access. They have a terabyte, 10 terabytes actually of storage available to them. Um, and they, they do everything in Google Docs and Google Sheets. And that's how my they son share. in grade school right now. Same idea. Yeah. So it's it's they're already used to that environment doing everything like that. And if they don't need specialized programs, like if you were a programmer, you couldn't use a Chromebook because nope. you need to run special. If you're going to school for that, you can do it. Although they are putting Linux on these Chromebooks so that you can enable that 
so you could potentially do something. I think that's why Google's adding that to sort of bring that crowd over to. Yeah, it's going to give uh, them an edge in but, getting over the hardcore users. But, the, but then again, now you're adding a third operating system. You have Chrome OS, you have Android, now you, li you have Linux. It's getting more bogged down on that one yeah. device. I don't yeah. know how, you know, that. And I'm maybe thinking that of that overall. The, the, maybe that explains the push to more premium hardware and prices. Right. I, I'm just thinking of the overall sort of user experience, like all those three things running together smoothly. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I'm hoping Google can pull it off somehow later on in software updates or making improvements, but it just seems convoluted right now. It's like, oh yeah, it can run everything, right? It'll just, yeah. it'll, it'll just do whatever. And it, it seems like, you know, Google kind of hacky way, right? They just want to deploy these. these. These are geeks that are working on these products. So it's like, oh, I want to add this. I want to add this. But I don't know if they're thinking about like the overall yeah. user experience. Oh, and, um, of the, of... As the, the resident younger member of the podcast, um, <laughs> anecdotally speaking, I used, we had like, we were one of those high schools that was given uh, laptop computers for various classes. Um, and those at the time were MacBooks. And just from my personal experience, that has that in that i don't know if it directly or indirectly influenced my choice to get a macbook for my first pick as a laptop so maybe there is some kids these that. days <laughs> i learned i learned to type in grade school on one of those old school uh macintoshes with like the colored jelly sides <laughs> me too oh uh, and, uh, i had the the old gray ones before that and then we got the jelly ones uh, and it yeah, was like the greatest day of our lives <laughs> I, I had the same experience but re regardless i i was you know on pc and i got my first apple product when i was like 23 or something like that so mm -hmm. i don't know different strokes for different folks i think it depends on what you're introduced to and what you're continually um, exposed to like through life, just in general. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like my reason for going to a tablet was that I already have a very powerful desktop. So anything that I can't, like, I won't need that kind of desktop power on the go. If I do need it for whatever reason, I can always remote into it through any kind of software yeah. on the laptop, but that, or on the tablet. But that being said, like, I don't need that nine times out of 10 on the go. So something that isn't, I don't necessarily need the full power of a laptop on the go. So that's like a use case for me. So if anybody else fits that build and, and they're used to the Android ecosystem, then this perfectly suits them. Like this yeah. is a perfectly fine tablet for, for what it is. I think the moral of the story is that it's, it's good for basic use. It has its flaws when you try and use it as like a super user, so to speak. Yeah heavy duty application user but yeah. if you know take it for what it is i just um, think the mistake is calling it a laptop because i don't think it's quite there yet yeah i think it's probably misadvertising i don't know if google really had a choice with its competitors but i think it it isn't owning up to what it says it is for sure for sure yeah no, um I, I fully agree um anything else any more closing points on this before we um move on no all right well then, uh, we have some news about Facebook. And I don't know. No, it, it, it's not positive. Yeah, it's no, never um, positive. So not, no. only, so not only is, is Facebook spying no on way. you, not only is it spying on you, but it's also racist. <laughs> um, so it, a former Facebook manager has recently called out the company for bad treatment of African-American employees. Um, so there was an internal memo that was sent um, by uh, 
Mark Lucky's coworkers on his last day at Facebook earlier this month, calling out pervasive discrimination issues within the company, um, saying that they have a quote black people problem that involves mistreatment of their employees, and they cite incidents where managers or colleagues called their coworkers hostile or aggressive, and the campus security gave extra scrutiny to those employees. Um, so yeah. Um, it's, it's a great, great topic to talk about for a panel of white guys, but you know, well, yeah, there's that, but I Perfect. think, uh, I, I not only don't doubt that, but I think also that they're probably not, uh, screening people they're hiring for those positions, such as like security officers for racial yeah. racist tendencies, um, which, you know, should be done at, I think every employee, employing company yeah, at this point, sure. but. Yeah. And technology is supposed to bring people together. It's not supposed to separate people by just perpetuating the issues that have happened in this country for decades. And, and it's, it's definitely a problem. It's definitely something that needs to be stamped out of um, the corporate environments just because it's, it's it, like at this point, it's 2018. It's, it's like unacceptable. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, to be clear, I think we all agree it should be stamped out of every environment. You yeah, know, yeah, for sure. Uh, pretty ridiculous concept at this point and uh yeah. very ignorant but uh it's really unfortunate to hear facebook is not doing a good job at all at yeah. this and like and we've seen this in other companies as well like if you even wanted to stay within silicon valley you can look at snapchat for example rolling out the the like rasta snapchat filters which was essentially yeah. blackface which is yeah. definitely not a good look Mm -hmm. um but like it's something that it's it's pervasive and i think this kind of groupthink begins to happen when you have these companies that have one type of person like you get this thing called like we've, we've talked about with uber the bro culture that forms from these silicon valley companies where everybody gets this one group think and any kind of like decision where if you put it in front of a, a diverse panel they'd be like whoa hold on this is really ignorant to xyz yeah. And yeah. like if you don't have that and you have people that are super high up and they're all from the same dichotomy of people, then I think that this is almost a natural thing that begins to form. And it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why diversifying is important, especially in Silicon yeah. Valley. Uh, Facebook has been working uh, or made very minor improvements regarding their diversity in this article on the verge uh, mm -hmm. says that right now, currently 8% of the business um, and sales roles are represented uh, by black employees and only 1% of technical roles mm -hmm. uh, are, are filled by black employees. Um, and then only 2% is by leadership roles. And, Facebook's um, and it's not, it is a huge company. Yeah. So those, you know, even one or 2% could be a, a good amount of people, but it's still not a representative of actually like the, the community, right? So you want to make sure you're bringing they're spread around all over the all types of roles and and evenly and, and equally um to sort of bring that other perspective yeah to sort of help um and we've seen companies like the culture like I, I know it's probably it's still even in silicon valley it's not the best example but google has made strides in diversifying its employees all the way up and down the chain and you see this across other companies and those companies who do that end up becoming more successful in the end because they're more competitive and able to come up with a more compelling product. And it's one that just is, it's just a more cohesive company when you 
like break it down to its bare parts but like and the article even goes into mention that um uh, they were saying that um, black staffers at facebook know that by raising their voices they risk jeopardizing their professional relationships and career advancement and they say as much as we'd like to convince ourselves that these are minor inconveniences they continue to eat away at us and affect our work and it's not so much that they can't say anything it's that the culture suppresses the ability to be open to the point where they're afraid that if they do that their careers are at risk which is something that i think is unacceptable and something that that sucks and i think we can all relate is there's already kind of a a feeling for the the low man on the totem pole versus corporate or versus bosses where you already kind of feel like okay they have a relationship if i go to hr and complain about xyz person you know that might actually end up looking bad on me so you don't say anything there's already that and then when it feels like it's only against one particular sect of the of the employees that's when you're talking about something completely different and that's when i think like you know i I feel like a lot of people not not myself but a lot of people might jump to well oh you know so it's eight percent like you know it's we uh you know you just hire the best person it doesn't matter black or white well I, i mean when you start to notice trends and when things like this come out you know what maybe you aren't hiring the best people and maybe you're getting into that thing that we were talking about the whole culture thing where it's you're not doing it on purpose you know you're not actively thinking i'm not going to hire this black guy but like it, it sometimes it gets to a point where it's it's so automatic for yeah. for you based on the culture around you and like you said that that culture obviously is something that has to change well, like in tech but especially here at this it's company. like it's even one of those things where it, it can boil down to something as simple as like if you're working on something and you and you're not sure of how it is you can be like hey can you take a look at this and just read over it for me before i send this email or like hey can you just proofread this or like can you double check my work uh, or something as simple as just spot checking a friend um and just another set of eyes can show you that something is either blatantly incorrect or like, Hey, you got a typo here. Or like even something like, Oh man, there's a curse word like halfway down. Or like, this is really ignorant of the people who you're sending the email to. And like, if you get enough people with the same mindset, that kind of ability to correct yourself on the fly, like that goes away and you end up in these really weird cultures where um, you end up suppressing people who, are outside of that group think and you get then the next thing you know you're a verge article and you're getting talked about being racist so like it's <laughs> it's it, it, it really it, it can be as simple as that it can be as complex as just if you want to talk at society as a whole we can step it all the way back and look at the culture shift that's happening but um i think it's a little bit like it's 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 i think we should be we, as a society we should be past this but we're not so it's definitely something that we have to address. Yeah. And I think overall, just in tech, right, it's very white folk, right? There's yeah. a lot of, yep. you know, just overall in tech. You you mentioned the Snapchat situation, but there's a whole lot of others um, that happened in the past, right, where it could have been avoided if you had someone higher up who was overlooking a certain project where it could prevent, right, certain things yeah. happening. Even as something as uh, simple as, like, face filters for, like, various, like, selfie apps and stuff not working as well on people who have different complexions. Yes, right. Like that. Or, or where, yeah, Google Photos misidentified black people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, um, so... Yeah, it will benefit tech overall, and of course, every other uh, industry as well, not just tech. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are focused on a tech podcast here, but 
yeah. you know, you know, bring it. And I mean, like, uh, and that's, that's that's why I was I kept pulling it back to like being able to come up with like a more diverse product leads to less crap like this that happens and instead you get a company that's more focused on delivering a product that benefits everybody instead of um indirectly suppressing and promoting certain group thinks and cultures and stuff like that so it's just a way to if you don't alienate turns out if you don't alienate people and you accept people then you have a good company it's a yeah, weird, weird weird concept yeah. that we're in <laughs> Super like that, strange. That expands out to society. Yep. Um, but this, I mean, the article here is focusing on bias and uh, like mm -hmm. in situations involving campus security with Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I feel like in those areas, you have to really pay attention a lot closer because uh, I, I feel like individuals of color already have enough to worry about with people of like law enforcement and things of that nature, um, not to get incredibly yeah. political here, but you know, you should not fear for being who you are at your workplace, no. especially at a sure. company that sh is, you know, self promoting itself as being as forward thinking and, um, you know, a, a, a place to connect. I mean, that's, completely unacceptable um and i think that when you're hiring individuals for the purpose of keeping your campus safe you should think about keeping the individuals you're employing safe by respecting their individuality and not making them fear for themselves yeah. so yeah i didn't i didn't i didn't even think about that part of the the the, the physical the physical fear besides the, the, the fear of not being able to advance in your career, which is part of the article as well is like, like, I mean, again, how many times have we seen over the years of just black guys have to be more careful around police and it's not their fault. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's, it, it, it's, it really is unfortunate. And when you have not only internal management giving off a vibe of I don't feel comfortable talking up about anything, whether it be someone in the management or anything around the company, because I'm afraid of how it's going to affect my potential career advancement. And then on top of that, I have to get roughed up every day when I walk through the door. Yeah. Like that yeah. dude stares at my bag three times as hard as he stared at the dude in front of me. Like, come on. Like it's, what does that, what does that do to your career to your, your, your life if every day you go to your place of employment trying to do something that you're passionate about and you walk in the door and get aggressively frisked or something like that yep. like how does that make you feel how does that start your day that's it can't start well and how does that make you feel about the world you live in yeah. like the hope is that people don't all people not not just the people experiencing it but the people their their friends who sit next to them at work every day that all of them make a move and let them be let, let it be known i mean whether it be speaking up as a group whether it be creating something to, as an as an act you know as activists whether it be hey we're leaving and going somewhere where we're accepted like any obviously that these are all extreme some some extreme examples here but the hope is that things don't have to get to that point and things well, get done but while things are happening like that you almost hope that like hey can we all band together and 
and, and show should, them that we're serious. And it shouldn't just be the people who are experiencing the trauma either. It should be other people identifying with it. And yeah, that's what I meant. Like, you know, your coworkers, it, regardless of background. It also definitely shouldn't boil down to someone leaving the company, and that's when they have a chance to do this. Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. It shouldn't have to. And and it's it's um, you hate to see when it does happen because it's not – this wouldn't be the first time that something like that happened. But I – it's almost like you would, you kind of would love to see a mass exodus j- just for them to get the point. And it would be nice for someone else on the other end to be like, yo, we like your work. Come, come work for us. You know, we're, we're not, we're not going to treat you the way you're being, tr- being treated over there. You know, you write a letter about all these people, put us in contact with them. We'll take them. No, no questions asked. Cause what they do is important and they're passionate about it and they love it. And that's what we want. We don't care yep. what you look like, what you sound like anything. Yep. Um, but uh, not not to not to uh, end this topic. Though. I do. Uh, this is like, this is a fantastic discussion. But just for the sake of time, um, I think we should get into some of the other topics that we have tonight. Um, just because it's like almost eleven. But <laughs> hey, we get we get our one we get our one deep topic That's in it. every every week it. or two. No, that was so good. Like I totally lost track of time like talking about that like, and everything we've talked about before. It's just the, the flow is good. But um, something uh-huh. making. Uh, God, I lost it. Um, yeah. so Google is not making the world a better place. Um, there is an open letter to Google that we have um, that is urging Google to stop creating a censored version for China. Um, so this is not a good look for Google. Um, there's a bunch of employees who have been raising their concerns. International human rights organizations and investigative reporters sounding the alarm. Um, about Google calling on them to cancel this project. Um, it's uh, it's called Project Dragonfly. So it's their attempt to create a censored search engine for the Chinese market that enables state surveillance. So this is like a very similar move that we've seen to Apple moving iCloud servers uh, for Chinese devices to China um, and other companies that are beginning to tailor their products specifically for China. Mm-hmm. And um, it it kind of creates this weird situation we're in where um, it not only like segments the internet in a way, but it, it forces employees who work in a country that is democratic to produce totalitarian software for another country just so that way yeah. you can get business there. Which right, and it's crazy. It, for these companies, it's it's hard to ignore China, right? It's a huge market. Yep. So they want to get in there and they're willing to do whatever the government asks them. Um, I don't think, yeah, like you said, these Google employees or any employees, right? So maybe there's some uh, murder with it, with it inside of Apple too, but we just don't hear about it. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, the Google employees aren't willing to put up with that and they're not gonna there's just like don't no we're not gonna work on these projects for you so um they did the same similar thing when uh google uh partnered with the pentagon to uh use their ai to analyze uh, drone footage right they they stood up and they're like no we're not gonna help the pentagon and analyze drone footage to potentially you know find whatever they're maybe looking for we don't care we're just not gonna participate in in that type of activity um I think it's very powerful that they're doing this and I hope um, I know why Google wants to go there, but like, is it really worth 
building, you know, that second internet that, that you talked about, Matt, right? That's just completely separate Chinese internet. So what kind of what kind of censorship are we talking about here? Like complete so, blocking of information or like yeah. it would enable. So the article gets into that a little bit. It says that Dragonfly would enable censorship and government directed disinformation and destabilize the ground truth on which popular deliberation and dissent rely. And it says, given the Chinese government's reported suppression of dissident voices, such controls would likely be used to silence marginalized people and favor information that promotes government interests. So also, also it will block Vinny Poo. We don't want that. Yeah. So want pictures. I don't know if you guys guys get that. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I, I watched John Oliver. Yep. Um, hey, great. Um, so. So, just want to lighten, lighten up the, the so, here. Yeah, that, that does help. <laughs> but, and, and one of the other things the article says, Jeff, before, just in case this matters to your point, I know you're about to uh, expand on something, but Please, go ahead. for the um, one of the other things in the article was was talking about not only obviously that, but the the instant access to all data involved uh, on any device that connects to the internet. Yep. is is part of it so it's not only censoring what you have the ability to find on your own but it's also now i have access to everything you see do like whatever immediately the second you connect to it yep and it's it's weird like this and we could make an entire episode on fragmentation of the internet i feel like we could go on about that for hours but like i think that it's dangerous because like it's not like google currently is open and free in china um, China has Baidu, which is their search engine. Um, they don't really use Google in any way um, when it comes to the no. search engine aspect of it. So this is purely, it, it comes off to me as like a purely as a cash grab, like kind of what Irvin was alluding to from Google, just trying to get that business because China has a lot of people. And if a lot of people use your product, you make a lot of money. So um, it's just, do you want to throw away human rights to build software while you do that? Like, like it, as a, like if I, if I knew that I was creating something that was going to be used to suppress and marginalize people by the millions, I don't know if I would billions, the billions even. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, cause I'm just going off of like small subsections of, yeah of their communities. And like, we already know they rolled out that, like the, personal scoring thing where people can be oh, rated right. based off yeah. of how many good or bad deeds they do or how yeah. much they praise the government but that's a whole yeah. different thing entirely well, <laughs> I, I think this has because of the nature of what's going on in China and the dimension of misinformation obviously this has a, a dark shade to you know this topic and I think that Google does have questionable choices here yep. that they're making um but i would encourage you to consider what kind of um filters you have on your own access to the internet and information as well just because it's what you're used to doesn't mean it's all that's out there mm -hmm. um and i think that i think there are certainly things in place in our very own country <laughs> that limit the information we get to um we may or may I not have talked about them already. Yeah, well, um, I do. Th I do think that spreading misinformation and things that are like clearly false uh, and biased towards like supporting a government that, in every means, seems to be corrupt in China, mm -hmm. uh, is definitely absolutely terrible. And I don't promote it in what 
any sense whatsoever. Yeah. But um, I, I, I just want you to consider what Google's already yeah, doing. There was, there was a, um, there was like some unofficial, uh, like stuff done where they just had random people Google the same thing and just to see the different results that people would get. Like we, and I'm pretty sure we may even get different results. Like for, for example, one of the things they told people to do was to Google search Egypt and like liberal people got one set of results while like conservative people got a different set of results and neutral people got like vacation spots well, in Egypt. That's, that's one factor of it, but also but like, yeah, like your, your, your internet traffic is clearly and definitely monitored mm-hmm. in our very own country. Yeah. So like it's, the only difference is it's Google doing it for them, and it's probably a lot quicker if you know if you're going to use the word instant. Um, it is definitely. I, I don't see any pros to this story. If I'm making myself clear, I'm not saying I like this story. I'm not saying I promote it or I agree with it. I just want to draw parallels between you know targeting what China is doing and what other countries are already doing. That's very similar. It's Google's attempt to be the de facto force globally when it comes to search results whether it's in a totalitarian country or if it's in the united states whatever that means for us um it's something that is um it's it's kind of like it's just i i i totally agree with this open letter like i think it's messed up that so yeah I want to bring something up, and I, and I have a feeling we could get really into it. Um, and we don't have to. We can save it for another episode. But um, I I agree with you all that I don't think it's moral to, to do it, even though it's, like Jeff pointed out, it's kind of on some level being done uh, to us already here. Um, it's... Let me start. I'm playing devil's advocate here. These aren't my true feelings. Um, (laughs) That's how I feel too, to be clear. What is Google's job? Not the individuals that work for Google. What is the job of Google, the company? To sell ads. To make money. (laughs) To make money money and grow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So can we be mad at them for doing exactly what their goal is to do? As a business, they're only going to business. The people... Who they, the only thing that they owe to anybody is money to their investors. That's all they owe all the time. So that's it. I th- they don't have to be moral because they're not a person. You're right. And you know, I think they are doing what they are meant to do: make their make their stock owners money. And you can get you can get down to the individuals and they should be the moral ones because they're the ones making the decisions for the company but really in this case if this goes through the company is just doing what it's made to do anyway i think what it comes down i i agree yes that is why they're doing this but i think that the thing is it's, it's such a huge company it has such a huge place in the internet and technology in general that not only do we expect, but we we need them to hold by a certain level of ethics mm-hmm. in order to continue doing what they're doing, trust in what they're doing, and we rely on them so much, whether we want to admit it or not, that we we need them to act within certain bounds. Yeah. And I also, or else we can't, we can't use them anymore, yeah. and we don't want that. And to to counter where you were going with Kyle too, and to kind of continue off of where Jeff was going with that. Um, it's very convenient that only a couple years after a company that dropped its uh, original slogan, in, which was do no evil, 
is now making deals with totalitarian nations to um, in an attempt to make money. And then at the same time, every year in their keynotes, preaching that they're making the world a better place. Like it's there's a disconnect there. There's like a cognitive well, disconnect in well, their but aren't message they? and what's actually happening. They're, they're aren't not, they still? Yeah. I mean, is it's it, like if you if they help create what the government is kind of already doing over in China, they're just um, support's not the right word, but they're matching what the government is already doing over there. Then they're not doing anything except basically giving you access to better stuff to their stuff and yeah. it and it gives them that data that they can then use across the world to potentially make things better so they're making themselves more powerful they're already a great company that has helped make the world better if they make more money and become more powerful they now can help make us be even better so again what is what is why does Google have to be the moral compass really is what like is, is kind of what think, it comes down to. I think the biggest thing is uh, the spreading of misinformation. And, that, you know, and, I, and, and uh, just to reiterate for anyone who somehow missed the beginning of this, I'm not saying that I agree. I'm just playing devil's advocate just for I the know, sake of the argument. It's just um, like it's, no, it's entirely and I completely agree that spreading false information and hiding other information, which happens here already, is not okay. And you shouldn't be supporting that. But – but when it comes down to it, that's not their job isn't so to be the moral authority. It's, it's not to decide whether what China's doing is good or not. It's hey, we can go make a bunch of money over in China, so let's go. Yeah. So it, it's easy to look at the big company and be like, it's a corporation, it can do whatever it wants in the interest of money. But at some point it does boil down to people. And I feel like those people do have a choice in what they feel comfortable working on because the people who come to Silicon Valley come with that starry mindset of I'm going to make the world a better place and work on this amazing software. And then you get in your day one, you sit at your desk and you get all set up with your nice computer and you're, you're like super proud that you're working at Google, one of the best companies in the world. And then you're like, Hey, write this totalitarian software that helps China monitor all of its citizens, every move. <laughs> like there's kind yeah. of like, you're like, you're like, up, like the synapse is firing and that meme where the guy's just like looking at all the question marks and it's just like, what? It's like, where did the, where, where, what happened? What company am I working for right now? You know, like well, at some point yeah. it does boil down to people. And I feel like that even though it's in an open letter, it's not directly, it's not a full on boycott or protest or a walkout. It's them voicing their opinion that, Hey, this is kind of messed up. Well, I'm very glad that they did it also. I feel like that's the only way that you're going to see change made is like, if we all scream from a distance, like we don't like when you do that, <laughs> they're going to be like, we don't care. You still, you, you literally clicked google.com to yell. We don't like when you do that. So I, like it's, it's, the when people inside start making noise that's when i think you can actually see change and, and maybe the, they could potentially stop this from happening i don't know the, the key difference too is that google's an american company yep yeah you know so in in some sense we have a say in what they do um internationally and domestically if you think about what spreading misinformation censorship and monitoring of citizens led to in the past it was the third reich and the holocaust so like you know we we don't want to see that happen again we didn't exactly have control over what germany was doing in its country back in its yeah. terrible times here we have a company that could potentially promote similar societal changes and we do have a say in what happens yeah. so and i think it is important to speak up it is i completely yeah. agree and i completely and agree to offer like a closing statement on this before we move on yeah. and uh, wrap up um 
I, I want to say that also allowing Google to do this kind of gives me the chill as to like where does it end like how how totalitarian and how authoritarian is too much for Google's money grabbing so like for example if they're like if they made software for a Russian internet or a Saudi Arabian internet and they and their software was being written to not only silence but maybe even like god forbid kill political dissidents like i think that like where does it end you know no and i, and I agree and i think you're you're going to run into a situation where they're going to be blinded by the by the obvious revenue build and the growth of the company until they hear that right keyword or that right thing happens and they're gonna be like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. maybe we should back off and one of the ways that you can hear those things is people inside their company people like us yelling at the top of our lungs yo this isn't okay you can't move forward with this we're not in support of this at all yeah yeah it's a very public national crisis happening in the country like tiananmen square where China's just like, hey, Google, um, you want to just give us the addresses of all those people, please? Thanks. That'd be really cool. I think the unfortunate thing, too, is that, I mean, like it or not, our podcast and voting and writing comments online are virtually meaningless after we saw what happened in our own country with a policy debate over net neutrality where you can't win an argument because a bot can always outtype you. Yep. You know, like, yep. So it, this is, I think, up to Google as a company and people who create and dictate and control policies mm -hmm. in our own country and the world yeah. to make a stand. Mm -hmm. So I agree. So that some people have drawn the line here. Um, but to to get into a fun topic, <laughs> I wanna, yeah, how do you how do you shift out of that to I this? I gotta end it on a good note. So okay, so cards again. You just fade to black right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna end it how any good how any good evening ends with a rousing cards against humanity debate. Um, so they had probably one of the best black Friday sales I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, go by this past weekend. And what they did was it was a 99% off sale. So what they did was they had people scour the internet and find literally the most ridiculous products I have ever seen in my entire life curated into one list and they reduced the price by 99% and they sold it. And um, and Jeff, you haven't read this article yet, but there is no limit on the price that they set for some of these products. <laughs> so like some of it is incredibly ridiculous. And I have a Verge article which goes into the details of it, but I want to focus on exactly what they were selling this whole time. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so first off, um, the whole time, the way they did this was they... They set up, um, they set up like fancy captchas, which not only were captchas, but were actual riddles that were relevant to the product that they were selling. So like you yeah. had to know the answer to the riddle as well as make it to the payment thing, get your credit card number in, and then submit the payment and hope it went through before somebody else's did. And in the process, I think they crashed every like service that was tied to this. Like they crashed, <laughs> they crashed recaptcha, they crashed swipe. They crashed like every possible like they DDoS them all pretty much with oh their gosh. attempts to to do this because so yeah. many people were trying to get on this. 
Because um, uh, all of these items were just one. Yeah. Just, just, just one available. One. That's it. And that was just it. One. The second you said all of those things crashed, Jeff looked very uncomfortable. <laughs> He's like, oh my God, I can only imagine being on the other end of this. Yeah. <laughs> so um, just to start off things being pretty tame, one, and it's on the stream right now, one of the things they sold was a $20 bill for 20 cents. So um, they sold that. That sold out. Um it was listed as legal tender for all debts, public and private, an unbelievable 1980 in savings. Uh, <laughs> they sold an 85-inch Sony 4K Ultra HD TV, which is valued at $3,500 for $34.99. <laughs> um, they sold a 17th century Italian halberd uh, <laughs> for $1,850, which is a... What? For anybody not... Con- <laughs> That's a medieval spear with an axe on the end of it. They sold a life-size Orlando Bloom cutout for seventy-five cents. Um, they sold a twenty. 20- That's not enough money for Bloom. Twenty fifteen red Ford Fiesta with twenty-five thousand miles on it for ninety-seven dollars and fifty cents. Oh my god. Um, they sold a presidential mahogany coffin for thirty-one ninety-nine. Um, with ha- had an almond velvet interior and it was they, they noted it was unused um, <laughs> it's good to know. A, yo a, that's uh, the market that no one's in let's be honest that's the market that no one's yeah. in refurbished yeah. coffins no one's in that game yet a 1.5 carat lab grown diamond engagement ring valued at $32.15 <laughs> um, one of my favorites which was the poncho toilet um, which is literally just a poncho with poop bags and stuff in it. And that was sold for nine cents. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, an oh, 800. Gosh. And then they also get like even they, they get into a little more normal stuff, like an $800 Applebee's gift card for $8. <laughs> I like oh, that. Yeah. 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 So, um, my sticks all day, baby. A, <laughs> an original signed Picasso lithograph for $60. Um, Bill Pullman's actual flight suit from Independence Day for thirty nine ninety five. <laughs> Who funded this? A portable sauna for a dollar seventy. Um, let's see, a one hundred dollar bill for one dollar. Uh, an arcade machine. Um, a le- the Olga, which is a twenty four karat gold dildo for thirty four dollars and ninety cents. <laughs> a five day vacation to Fiji for two. Um, and that was still a couple hundred going. bucks. There's though. so many things that they did here. That's ridiculous. Bowflex, Gucci hair slides, uh, 500, oh, 500 pounds of dry garbanzo beans for five dollars and seventy nine cents. So, in the, in the, so I'm sure that uh, uh, that Matt, you're Matt, you're showing these as you're scrolling through on I the am. stream, uh, and you can see in the video there's this guy in this red suit. And the best part is, at the end, they sold the red suit that the guy was wearing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so good. This is a guy wearing like a, awesome. a red morph suit, uh, a double decker cat stroller. So who, who'd you say funded this? That's what I'm wondering. This is from Cards Against Humanity. I guess they just bought a bunch of this stuff. The, That's so the crazy. description. The description for the, the the red suit is lightly used, skin-like texture. Uh, you wanted this costume all day. Yeah. Um, and the original price is listed as $99,999 and 99% off is still $999. <laughs> <laughs> I 
um, but no, the, the important thing to note is they have an expanded Cards Against Humanity set that they're, which has a bunch of new cards, uh, which they're offering for twenty dollars, which is discounted down from two thousand dollars. So um, it's, ah. it's a bit of a deal there. So any at any time you could have bought that if you couldn't get any of these. Um, a geriatric clever release. A life-size geriatric medical doll for seventeen dollars and sixty-nine cents. <laughs> I want to. I want to. That's so dumb. It's so dumb. <laughs> a nineteenth, a nineteenth century butter churn. Um, they have Dan Acro- Dan Aykroyd's cone head from the movie Coneheads, actually worn by Dan Aykroyd. So I want to see like interviews done with people who actually receive these products. Yeah. And like you see pictures on like the front lawn. Evidently, arriving. someone found the tweet from the guy who bought the garbanzo beans, and they said that his wife would be very mad at him. Um, he has to let her know before they ship all those beans. <laughs> oh, I hope God. they send them in individual parcels. Yeah, a, uh, a full hot dog cart for forty dollars. Is the idea behind this that way more people are going to buy their cards, and since they're no, selling paper, they're making a lot of money? It's to get you it's talking just that. about them. Yeah, it's just publicity, right? They always do. They did a publicity stunt a couple of years ago where they just asked people to donate money to dig a big hole for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> just dig nice. a hole. Yeah. And then the more people, as long as people kept putting in money, they kept digging a hole. And they did it for, I think, three or four days straight. They just kept digging. And there's a live stream of it and everything. Everybody yeah, it's $100,000 just to dig a hole. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. There's so a, like, because why not? A 336 not? square foot yurt. I have a question. Was the whole a was it a drill or was there just some dude staring at the live stream who just took a shovel every time a payment no. came through? It's just it was a like... giant cat. It was a giant caterpillar just digging a hole. It was a giant. It was a pretty big hole. Could you imagine just like one dude just like getting sweaty as the day goes on? It's like shedding clothes as it goes. Just, just like, please stop. Yeah. Oh my god. The thing, Urban. The thing... I'll give you a thousand dollars to not donate anymore. Irvin, the thing that they sold prior to the suit was what impressed me the most. Um, the all-inclusive 10-day vacation for two to Antarctica. <laughs> Valued at $18,000, discounted down to $180. It said, have the vacation of your dreams and your nightmares. Uh, this is for real. Do not purchase if you do not actually want to go to Antarctica. <laughs> I'd probably go. Yeah. No, that would be awesome. Get one last look at it before it melts. 10 days? 10 days. Dude, I'll go for like a day. That's probably because it takes three days to get there. I'm not spending ten days in Antarctica. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of that's a lot of worrying about polar bears sneaking up on it's you. It's okay. You can yeah, settle dude. for the eight foot statue of Anubis, Egyptian god of the dead, for twelve dollars and ninety five cents. Eight I would feet. Take that. Yeah, I'm in on that. I have a vaulted ceiling. I put that bad boy in my living room. It's made of fiberglass. Ooh. It's a good time. Even better. Signed photo of Richard Nixon. A full size pirate ship bou- bouncy house. Um, my favorite is the full size, like real functional hot dog cart. <laughs> Yo, bro, that's 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 my calling right there, bro. I need that. Yeah, that's that's an investment. At well, at one point they used to call me Hot Dog Man, so you know I'm just I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> oh man! And then also, if you're trying to sell me a forty dollar hot dog cart, I mean that's what I'm trying to say. And then also six hundred live ants. <laughs> 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 Who just buys live ants? First off, how are you getting them? Because they ain't surviving shipping. I'm sorry. Yeah. Does, 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 it occur, 
Yes, yeah, the, the description on that page is 700 ants, too many. 500 ants, not enough. 600 ants, just the right amount of ants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man, dude. Cards Against Humanity does it again. That description actually sounds like a card from Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> yeah, was, that was a nice, uh, a nice last topic. Yeah, this. way to lighten the mood, yeah. fellas. This was yeah. almost as good as what they did last year, which was where they decided to give up on selling their card game in favor of a not at all copyright infringing brand of potato chips called Prongles. <laughs> <laughs> and they actually nice. did produce those chips and sell them at Target for a little bit. But, um, but yeah, so. That was it's it's a good time. That must be a fun company to work for. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they have a clever uh, marketing team for sure. <laughs> yeah. And that was every ten minutes they launched one of those deals from eleven a.m. to like six p.m. So there's a lot of stuff that yeah, I did. That's awesome. On. Maybe their website is mining cryptocurrency secretly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, dude, it's such a. Good... And I love how like they just took out every product on the way. You can still buy the card game though; everything else is sold out. But you can see the full catalog. So I mean, someone bought the suit. Yeah. Yep. Somebody bought the suit. Someone bought everything just to be a part lot of, that. of money for that suit. Just to be part of the novelty of it. Well, imagine like not getting anything you wanted, and there's a suit, and like you're like, screw it, I'm going for yeah, it. Yeah, I waited this whole time. Yeah. I'm getting that suit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I love how they say like um, deals, deals, deals. Like they have this banner on the top. It's here. I love you. Ascend the crystalline cathedral of savings. Beat the clock. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Like it's just a scrolling panel across the top of the website. <laughs> um, death is the ultimate savings. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So true. So wise. <laughs> yeah. And then it just says "F you, Jeff Bezos" at the top as well. Um, so. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Yeah, no, I, this is a this is a great way to end the show. I think. Yeah, I <laughs> no. agree. Yeah, to a great show. To exactly. A great show. Man. All right, guess um, what? Yes. There is a dog on your bed there behind is. you. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. getting ready for bed, like I am. In a little bit. I just thought that everyone who's listening who can't see us should know that. There, there's been a dog here most of the time. I didn't want to interrupt our flow earlier. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but if I see a dog, it's getting pointed out to someone. Yes. I think she went from napping to cleaning herself, which is also pretty funny. Yep. But yeah, yeah, if you could um, shift a little to the right there, <laughs> your left, our right, excuse me. Yeah, I'll just shift a little over here. No, you're the right. Oh, you my eyes are bleeding. All right, you're oh, left. No, you meant you'll, you'll get us. You'll get us a kicked off Twitch. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> we don't want to do that. <laughs> um, but anyways, as, I think we got some plugs. Yeah, do saying, we not? As Irvin mentioned, uh, for those of you listening what? to the podcast, we stream weekly on Twitch. Uh, assuming we don't get banned from Twitch for whatever I just did. <laughs> Um, you can check us out there once a week Uh, we do post to Twitter and Facebook when we do go live Uh, speaking of which we post to Twitter and Facebook so if you want to catch up with us and talk to us come hang out there and have a chat with us we'd love to talk to you Um, if you want to listen to the podcast and you're watching the Twitch stream on the other hand you can watch us or listen to us rather literally anywhere Um, I used to list out everything but if you search for industry 4.0 you will find this pretty much everywhere. Um, I'm pretty sure we've even gotten to the top of some Google search feeds now too. So like we're pretty pervasive when it comes to looking for 
So our, our name. You you can also ask your smart devices to play uh, the latest episode, episode of, okay. of Industry 4.0, yep. and it'll go and do that. And, yes, um, and very soon we will be arriving in China. Exactly. Um, <laughs> all we will maintain our human rights. Though. I don't know if I don't know if we'll be a part of China after this episode, though. So yeah, maybe episode seventy six, maybe not making it. Yeah. But the rest of the episodes are going to be live soon. Yes. Just in case, Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> I like how you said just in case and then proceeded to continue to press <laughs> the, Well, uh, I'm saying like if we make the cut, then Winnie the Pooh still lives on yes. through me. Okay, I'm happy yeah. with that. Ah, that. Yeah. Good call, good call. Yes. Thanks, but, guys. Um, but as for the rest of us, that is the end of the show. So <laughs> that was terrible, but okay. Um, yeah, so that was episode- about as good as the rest of your segues. Yeah. So, you know, Can I point out uh, episode episode seventy six something about independence and freedom and yeah. Yeah, man. Episode seventy six, yeah. freedom, all that good stuff. But that uh, said, just uh, what you know, prayers up to Joel and Bede every time I hear seventy six. So you know, kind of- Ooh, <laughs> little sexy shadow. <laughs> I knew yeah. we were gonna fit a name in for the number, but okay. So, with that being said, this has been episode 76ers, and we will see you guys in the next one. Bye.